Nick, you know what I like? What? Fresh coffee. Gabe, that's literally everyone. Everyone likes fresh coffee. Yeah, 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 but I know that. But actually, how many people get fresh coffee? I mean, most of it's roasted weeks before you take a sip. With Fruit of the Bean Coffee Roasters, that's not an issue. The coffee is roasted once you place the order, guaranteeing that you get the freshest coffee possible. So unless you live on a coffee farm, this is the best way to enjoy your next cup of coffee, or pot of coffee if you share our coffee drinking habits. Oh yeah, and another thing. Fruit of the Bean donates 10% of their net proceeds to help orphans and those affected by human trafficking, and you can even see how much they've donated on their website. Use code CARDBOARD at checkout for an extra 25% off. Their website is fruitofthebean.com. Have you ever heard of an armchair quarterback? It means someone has an opinion but doesn't necessarily participate in the sport. But it also means that they care enough about the sport to discuss it and try to make it better. In our basketball world, we call this cardboard box seats. We see the game from afar like true fans, but we always show up with the same intensity as if we were at the games ourselves. We don't have the money or the connections like the other talking heads on TV, but we do have some ideas which might seem too out there, and honestly, we've got opinions which might change. Either way, we have fun, so come and watch the game with us from our cardboard box seats. Hey everyone, welcome back to Cardboard Box Seats. Gabe's here. Nick's here. And we have a special guest, Farrakhan Hall. Hey, y'all, what's up? What's going on, Farrakhan? Y'all enjoy- are you enjoying your uh, your social distancing quarantine? I am, man. I've been, been locked in the house, just trying to find things to focus on. <laughs> nice. So go ahead and tell our listeners who you are and kind of what team you play for. Yeah, well, I'm Farrakhan Hall. I am a former University of Memphis Tiger. And uh, now I play for the Windy City Bulls in the NBA G League. A uh, bit of a journeyman. I played all around the G League. I played in multiple, like a couple of different countries. Just a just a basketball player, man. Slash entrepreneur. Yeah. So this this interview is pretty exciting because we um, interviewed your agent Rebecca a couple weeks ago, and she helped kind of meet us meet us up with you the other day. Yeah. So- Rebecca is awesome, man. Yeah, we loved yeah, having her. She was a she was a great guest. We de- we thoroughly enjoyed having her on our podcast. She's done a great job of building up empire, empower. And, you know, they got great values, and that was something that really attracted me to. For to sure. Actually signing with her and working with her, and she works hard and man, really gets things done. Yeah, she she definitely seems like um, she knows her stuff, and, and then growing just growing empower. She she's done a great job. We we were really honored to have her on the podcast. Yeah. She shows she tells some great stories about oh, yeah. walking in and she got the I was one of those guys before with her. And she walks in and he got uh walk in and she's like, Here's here's my player and I'm like huge standing behind her and all these people are looking all intimidating because 'cause I'm there with her. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So go ahead and give us kind of like your scenic route of your career thus far. Thus far, like I said, I um I graduated from Oh, this is gonna be a long story. <laughs> I graduated from University of Memphis, then I, initially I went on over to um, play ball in Denmark, was my first stop. And in Denmark, I was there for like preseason, played a, a preseason game, and then got, got in good with my team, was in great shape, and then my first game, 
and like the first quarter I was killing. I had like, you know, like 10 points in the first quarter, which is pretty, pretty good. And I broke my hand like midway through the first quarter. So I played the rest of the game, but I didn't find out that my hand was broken until after the game. So after that, um, I stayed around there for a couple of weeks and they sent me, sent me back home. And I ended up working at a, uh, the Bank of Barlow for a while. And I got another opportunity to go and play in Czech Republic. Uh, I played in Czech Republic for the remainder of that season. That was 2014 season. And it was such a tough season for me just being going to a country like that and, you know, and seeing like what it's like playing in North, Northeastern Europe. Like, really like seeing like, man, this is a real grind. And it made me really be motivated to try to make it to the NBA. So the next season I came back, the next summer I came home after that season, I went and uh, signed up to play. Well, I, I started working out with the Grizzlies and just constantly being more consistent about my work ethic and, and getting my body in shape and, and made myself the best player I could be at that time. I was like 23, and so I, I said I was going to go out and try to make it in the NBA. And then uh, I went in and I got on the G League team with Iowa Energy. Had a great season there. Right there, and uh, after that season, I had to make a decision whether I wanted to go make some money. I was dead broke, you know what I'm saying, two years after college, <laughs> and I had really not played for much money at all. So by that time, I said, okay, I'm going to go, and I went over to Saudi Arabia, and uh, where I won a, uh, a championship, uh, Arabic Cup championship there in Saudi Arabia. And then after that, I decided once again I want to pursue my NBA dream. So I came home. And went and played for Santa Cruz, the Santa Cruz Warriors. That was at the time when the Warriors were just starting to like win there, have very successful winning championships. So I wanted to be a part of that mold of the Draymond Green type four man who could also shoot. That's what I had worked myself into. And then from there, I was ended up midseason being traded over to the Bulls G League team. They were a brand new team that year, and they needed someone like myself. So I went to their team and became part of the organization. Got real close with the front office, basically the. Uh, the Windy City Bulls for the office. And then after that season was done and things didn't work out, I didn't get a call up. I decided that maybe I should try to make a make a career uh, elsewhere, overseas. So I went over to Japan. And I played a full season in Japan uh, in couple of all for the Saitama Broncos. Uh, I think they'll be on third in the league. Previously, like for like 20 years straight, they were only, they were like 16th in the league. So, Got them a lot. Got the team a lot better. Definitely a different situation for me. Whereas you play one, uh, like you could play one import in the first, in the third quarter, and then you could play two imports in the second and fourth quarter. So I learned through that process. I mean, learned through that that time. And then after that season was over with, once again, I felt like, hey, I need to pursue my my dream. So I went back to the Winter City Bulls. I think that's what 2017, 18, 19 season, and then had a good season there. We made it for the playoffs. We did really well. Still no call up. Came back home. Oh no! After that season, I went over to Hong Kong for uh, the summertime to play there. Did well. We did not win the championship in Hong Kong. It was like a summertime deal. You go and you play like three or four months. It was really, it really wasn't difficult. You know, practices we would practice like at nine o'clock at night. You have nothing to do all day, but you go work out somewhere, and then. So it was basically like a vacation with playing a little ball here and there. So we, <laughs> we ended up making – we played the playoffs, and then I came back home after that uh, from Hong Kong, and then I got prepared for my season, which was last season. 
2019-2020 season, back with the Winnie City Bulls, and I, I was able to uh, continue to go after my dreams as far as playing in the NBA. And finished that season out, and here we are. The coronavirus cut us short, so there we go. I'm here now. <laughs> Man, where in the world is Farrakhan Hall? Goodness gracious. So you must be a pro at those uh, those long flights. You must have your system down in the airport, everything. Goodness. Everything, man. The long 13-hour flight, you don't even understand. My flight back from Saudi Arabia was like 26, 26 hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. That is wild. So kind of talking about that, like, I mean, you've, you've talked about going back and forth to the G League and then this country, then that country, back to the G League, this country, that country. So what what is like some of the struggles that come with kind of going back and forth and back and forth? Is it hard to find like a routine? As far as going to the G League into another country? Yeah. So the thing that always changes is the style of play, especially like when it comes to the G League and the NBA. So when I was leaving, I, I left from when I left from Iowa and went over to Saudi Arabia to play the next season. You know, you go to a country like Saudi Arabia where you're the main focal point. You have to be the one to score at least 25 points a game and grabbing 10, 15 rebounds a game to where on a G League team, you're surrounded by other quality players and you have more of a role to play, you know what I'm saying, that that you would fit into as far as for the NBA. So that was like the main thing, like getting that mindset, changing changing my mind to be like, okay, I got to do this to be able to be a productive player. Things change as far as the offense, learning how to play, learning what sets are being run, every team, what defensive schemes you're running. But it, it always it always switches up. Almost every year. Like like last year, I mean as I know, like shooting threes is super important now. But like I said, in two thousand fifteen when I was in Iowa, man, we were, we were trying to get layups. But now you see a guy driving for a layup and he would kick it out straight to somebody in the corner for him to shoot a three. Wide open layup, but he would kick it out somewhere to shoot a three. It's just the game changes every year. And it's all a bunch of small stuff. So that's just the thing that you have to be you have to be up on and consistent. Yeah, what's a layup? There's only two things. It's a dunk or a three-point. <laughs> right. All it is is dunk or three-point. But, yeah, it's, it's super technical, man. Like, I don't know if the listeners are into it like that, but, you know, there's certain shots that are not supposed to be taken. Like a free throw line pull-up, jump shot, terrible shot in the NBA right now. <laughs> they want threes. And that might be the easiest one, you know what I mean? You would think, like, it's wide open, but no, we don't want that. Kick it out. Like, Carmelo Anthony got cut from the Houston Rockets because he shot too many mid-range jump shots. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. The San Antonio Spurs, that's what they focus their game on. It's like, okay, sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) So in the last couple years, we've seen a lot of players speak up about their mental health and just some of the tolls that, that playing 82 games or just extended seasons, bouncing around so much takes on on them so what what are some of the pressures you've kind of felt like and how, how do you deal with that how do you relieve some of the stress that the game causes you well your routine is everything having a routine is the most important thing in that type of in that situation especially in the g league like the nba season is, is much longer as 82 games we play 50 games uh in a, in a very small span of time and the travel is difficult so you have to kind of get a routine for what you going to do when you get to the airport, you know, I mean, getting there, getting sit down, resting, making sure you're not on your feet a whole lot, get to the hotel, and just mentally prepare yourself, you know, 
whatever you have to do. Me personally, like I said, I always try to stick to my routine. Like daily, I try to meditate and I always try to make sure I'm expanding my mind and make sure I'm reading, just staying sharp. So that when I do get out there on the court, you know, I am not overthinking it and the game just comes easy that way. The mental health part of it is that it can be stressful playing like a G League because all those guys, everybody that's there is trying to make a way to get to the NBA. You know, they're trying to provide for their families. And when you can't really do that, it's not it's not really in your control as far as when you get a call up or when you'll be able to say, hey, yeah, I'm making this amount of money. You kind of just have to control what you can control, and that's making sure you're going to the gym every day, putting in the work. You're there, I'm there early every day. I'm always at practice like two hours early. You know, I get all my work in and do everything I need to do as far as basketball is concerned and keep on going throughout the day. Also having like outside hobbies, you know, in your downtime. Basketball players do have a lot of downtime and uh, you see a lot of guys who waste that time. But I always try to keep myself busy as far as uh, building a brand, building my brand for worldwide, uh, having different branches to that, uh, clothing line. We got all type of stuff going on. So going forward, that's like what I try to build, what, I'm, what I've been trying to build on. Can you tell us a little bit more about your brand and how that kind of came to be? Well, yeah. Um, honestly, it started, I've always, like, in my mind, thought of wanting to be, to have my own brand. And, you know, I always thought of my own self as a brand. But it kind of came into fruition and started to mold itself with uh, Rebecca. To be honest, uh, I talked with her about just different ways. I mean, just like the real technicalities of making yourself a brand. She took me through, uh, what you call it, uh, I want to say it's the uh, Secretary of State where I had to sign up to be a business, to be legit, you know what I mean? Yeah. From there, the creative process just takes over, uh, making a website and getting merchandise and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, it's just a hustle to be, if I'm going to be just real. Like, it's, for me, I've always been a, a sort of a hustle, like as far as working out, doing workouts with people. You know, doing workouts for uh, different kids that were coming up or uh, designing some clothes and people purchasing them. Or even the now, the uh, when you do the, uh, the resale. Like I used to do that uh, back in high school uh, as far as I can get tennis shoes. We have a Nike factory. I used to get tennis shoes from the Nike factory and we get them for 50% off, but I can turn around and sell them for a whole price. You know, <laughs> it's just those type of things that just made me be who I am now. To know that I have to, you know, business, be business savvy without working for someone else. So, do you, when you buy those, uh, buy those secondhand shoes or those shoes fifty percent off, do you, do you slap your name on there and sell them back for um, wholesale? No, um, <laughs> no, man. This is this. Is, I don't know where are you guys from. Uh, I'm from Charleston, and Nick's from Greenville. Okay, y'all are from y'all from uh, okay. Here in Memphis, we have the uh, we have uh, the the Nike factory. Right, so they make all the shoes. This is one of the distribution centers for the shoes that are made here. So they have a, a, a store where you can go and purchase all brand new Nikes, like brand new Jordans and everything for 50% off. You know what I mean? And that's where a lot of the resale comes from. People go there, they, they buy those shoes, and then they put them up online for like, mark it up, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's where, that's where it really started. But I was doing this back in high school, <laughs> 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. <laughs> Building that brand young. Yeah, early on, man. Just understanding the economy, for real. But 
So kind of going, flipping back and forth between the NDA and FIBA, what are some like major differences, like major rules that you've you've noticed playing in both leagues? Well, the physicality for sure. They let them get away with so much. Screens doing set pick and rolls, man, you get hit by some of the hardest screens you ever felt in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Just all the all the all of the little tic tac fouls that they call in the NBA, uh, like would never you would never get that call overseas uh, in FIBA in FIBA ball. Then every team kind of has like a dirty player where somebody to come and take out the Americans. You know, you don't really have that problem. Uh, here in the States. One of the major rules that always get people caught up is traveling. You know, the footwork of the European game, I mean, the FIBA uh, game is completely different from the U.S. You have to put the ball on the floor before you before you take a step. But here, you can take your step and pivot off of your, you know what I'm saying? Like you say, if you, your pivot is your left foot, if you Take off of your right foot, then you can put the ball down. There you have to keep your left foot planted, put the ball down, and then go. So it's just a it's a completely different feel. It, it slows the game down, and it kind of plays into the favor of someone who is not as athletic. That's so that was the biggest difference for me. So when you kind of flip back from going from the FIBA rules to like the G League rules, did you ever catch yourself being like, "Oh yeah, I can't do that." Oops. Yeah. Um, when you go back to the G League, it's like it has no effect. I mean, except for the physicality, you know, there you could be more you could be more aggressive as far as box outs and like I said, setting screens. So those are the things that you cannot do. Or it's like small things like defensive three seconds. Like over there, you can stay in the lane and you can you can pack it in. And here you can't do that. You got defensive three seconds and you can't you can't stay in the lane and you have to cleanse and all types of stuff. So. So, were there any big changes when you were playing in the D League, uh, when it changed over to the G League? Yeah, the G League, and um, as y'all know, the G stands for Gatorade. Gatorade became a big sponsor. I felt like they started to invest more into player performance and enhancing players' abilities and uh, caring more about the players being taken care of, their bodies, and their, their mental as well. Uh, before I remember playing in Iowa, we didn't even have a weight room. But now every team has some some, some form of a weight room. We have a uh, sort of a makeshift weight room at uh at uh, at City, and we also have access to training facilities. I remember back then before when it was D League, it was kind of like you know you go to a rec center and y'all practice and then that's it. And kind of you know I didn't lift the weight the whole season back then, but now we have a set schedule. You have to lift weights four times a week. And that's partially because of the the, the, the Gatorade uh, sponsorship, and they provided obviously a lot of drinks and different chews and all these different testing to just help you know where you are and what you need to keep your body fueled. And it just kind of keeps you in that mind frame of okay, I need these things so that I can be a productive athlete, especially when I get on the court. It's enhancing the player and doing a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of justice. That's why I think that. So many people are starting to come around and feeding into actually playing as you league. You see new guys coming out of high school now, uh, and they're like, "Okay, I go to the G League and develop and become become an NBA player. I'm learning how to be a, 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 be, a be a professional basketball player, and that's what my, that's what I really want to be." I mean, 
and then they have different courses and, and to teach different things. Like that sportsmanship was turned into really open up so many avenues just because it, it didn't become it, it's not as it's much more attractive. You know what I mean? But I, I don't know why, but the G League it sounds a lot better than the D League. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it still is the same concept. You know, it, it's it's a step below the NBA in a sense. But there also is the stigma where it's like it's a bunch of guys who couldn't make it. And it's not rec league basketball. It's not I would go to I would go to a rec I would go to a lifetime hoop on a Saturday morning and destroy everybody in there. <laughs> so it, it's, it's it's definitely a different life. Can you tell us about a time you were playing overseas and you were kinda of hit with a struggle? Um, and just basically how you overcame it. And this can be about the culture shock or butting heads with other players or coaches, just whatever you want to talk about. Okay, sure. <laughs> I, I got plenty of those stories. I, uh, I can tell you my first time when I went to Czech Republic. I just came from, from, from the U.S. I just got off my flight, and they picked me up from the, from the, uh, from the airport, and I flew into Prague, and I had to drive to this town, Chester Budapest, so they had some driver pick me up, and man, this guy that was driving the car, he was taking me to the city, it was like two miles away, he was driving so fast, like, he was going like one, like, like, and then, you know, their uh, odometer, it reads different, whatever. it reads different from how ours does, and at the time, I'm not understanding any of that, like, kilometers or whatever, like, I didn't, I didn't get it, so, I'm looking at his dash, and he's saying, like, he's doing like, 220. <laughs> 200. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, this, he going too fast. I'm in there so scared. I just closed my eyes and just like, I prayed and I just went to sleep. You know what I mean? And, and, and we were going straight. And so it was, a one, it was like one of those streets where it's like two lanes, one, one going one way, one going the other way. And it's all trees around us. And like, he swerved through the lanes. So I, like I said, I just prayed and closed my eyes and went to sleep. <laughs> so we finally, <laughs> we finally get to the gym. Uh, to where to to the city where I'm supposed to be, and we're getting there and getting ready for. They were supposed to have supposed to have a practice, so we pull up and we pull up, and then I see all of my my soon to be teammates outside. And I'm like, okay, cool. They're gonna like they about to they about to green me. Like it's gonna be cool. I get out the car, and everybody is crying. They're like crying, like everybody's sad. And then I got kind of asked one of the Americans out, just me, and he was like, yes. Three of our teammates just died on the highway driving because they were driving too fast and they ran into a tree. The same exact highway that I was just on. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So, games was postponed. I'm just getting to this country. This is the first thing I come to. And I just was scared in the car. So, the game was postponed. So, I'm just like, man, this is what I had to walk into. They looking at me like, this new guy coming around. Our teammates just died. They probably don't even like me at this point. <laughs> you know, it's like, how could you? you know, I don't want to see anybody new. But our, our games were counted for for like two weeks, and then eventually our games came back around. And the only way that I could kind of get past it was to kind of ingratiate myself with those guys and, you know, kind of try to be there for them, as awkward as it was, because it's like I'm a brand new person. I don't know anything about any of the guys that passed away, anything. So I just had to try to be there and be a friend early on, like, without forcing it too much. And, and it was tough. Like, that kind of led to one of my other teammates, a, a guy that was from the hometown there, 
And, you know, as a, when you come in as an American, some countries, those guys might not like you very much, just straight up. And uh, I remember living in this tall building. Uh, it was like a, it was a, it was a pretty tall building. And it was about, about two miles away from uh, where we played it. Every town there is built around a, I'm talking in Texas, but every town is built around a uh, castle in, uh, in Czech Republic. So there was a castle, there was a lake, and then like two miles away from the castle, which the castle was right beside our gym. It was like a town center. So about two miles from there was where my apartment was. It was, uh, it was like one little small like studio room. Anyway, I, I had to walk. I would have to walk from that apartment all the way to my gym every day. You know, and it, it, by the time I got there, it was in mid-December. You know, so it was snowing crazy. The snow would be up to like my knees. You know what I'm saying? My knees or sometimes up to my waist. It would be crazy. I've never seen snow like this. You know, we don't, we don't snow like that. Maybe not in South Carolina either. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm walking and it's just like, then I all of a sudden, like, one day I, I'm walking and I see my teammate driving past me. Like, the guy who I'm working at practicing with every single day, he just drove past me through the finger sign for no reason. I'm just like, what? Like, but that's just the, like, that's how they see us. Like, they don't like, they, they, that, that particular country, those guys, I know from them, is they didn't like Americans. It wasn't just about me, because, I was just quiet, like quiet, a little American dude. I'm fresh out of college, just trying to get get to know things, and he wanted to kind of be the man on the team. So I started to have to try to just kind of get him to come around, and you know, through the game of basketball, man, you kind of make friendships. And from there, he never gave me a ride. So I just started. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my own bike, and I would ride the bike to bike to practice. But at the end of the day. We still end up having a pretty good season, and I think we, we will respect each other. We kind of touched on this earlier that um, we interviewed Rebecca, your agent, a, a couple weeks ago. So what what kind of sparked that relationship, and, and what did she do that kind of won you over? And we were like, oh, yeah, she she's definitely going to be my agent. Well, I, I saw similarities in her and my um, That was the most important thing, uh, just because, you know, I have learned to – be more of a person who is intentional as far as taking care of business instead of being emotional about things. Uh, I made emotional decisions as far as, okay, well, I need to go play here because I need to go and play. I want to play in the G League because emotionally I want to make it to the NBA, you know, or this is what my dreams is. I want to accomplish this. And then there's also the other side of the business is, okay, I have to go and make money to provide, you know, or to, to build something for my own family and blah, blah, blah. She, she appealed to my emotional side, <laughs> which mm-hmm. works all the time. You know, uh, she, she, she believed in me. She believed that I could make it and she wanted to do whatever she has to to support me and my dreams. And she kind of put the battery in my back to say, okay, I can go after my dreams comfortably. And that's, that's the reason why I went with her because she's a person that believes, you know. Uh, a lot of times you don't find people that believe that you can accomplish what you what you're going after, but having that one person in your corner can be the reason why you why why you make it. And we have had we had some success this past season. I played fairly well, had a uh, shoulder injury and a couple other things. But you know, that that's not to say that she didn't do a great job or she hasn't done a great job or that I haven't done my job. It's just the main thing that mattered the most to me was signing with her is that she believed and she showed that she worked hard for me. So. I went with her. 
So what's your opinion about college players getting paid for their school, getting paid by the school for using their image? My opinion is that I think that it is cool that they decided to let them use their image and their likeness to make money. But what about the guy who has to go and practice for the same amount of hours and dedicates all his time, but he may be unknown or unseen and may not be as popular as the, those guys? Will he, how will he be compensated? You know, I think that it's unfair to, to those guys because they dedicate just as much time. Maybe they don't give as much output on the court um, when it's game time, but they are part of that system as well. So I think that they should be compensated too, uh, in a way. Um, so I think that overall, the NCAA should give an actual number, an, an actual amount of money. Like They shouldn't just allow them to use their likeness or endorsement. That's just kind of like freeing them to the wild. I think that they should provide some of that the capital that they have been making over the past, I don't know how many years. They need to dig into their pockets and pay them instead of just saying, okay, you can do whatever you need to do to make money. It's fine. That should be a given. We are free. <laughs> so I, I, that's kind of, I, I think I touched on that before, but that's kind of what, what my stance is. Do you see a lot more players now um, going into the G League instead of going into college and playing a year or maybe even going international and playing a year instead of going the college route with, with all these new opportunities opening up? Yeah, there's, there's plenty of that going on. Uh, like you said, well, like, like we said, there's the guys who have left from high school and now they're getting deals for half a million dollars and a quarter million dollars to play in the G League. Uh, because when, when a guy goes to college, as a basketball player, they're really going there to try to become a professional basketball player. Depending on who the kid is and you know, his background and what basketball does for him, a lot of guys want to become a like an NBA player. All right, so if we're talking about those top tier guys, you know, they are going there to become a to become a professional basketball player. And what the G League provides is they provide the courses um, and different like classes to teach you how to be a professional athlete. Whether that's taking care of your body, um, taking care of your finances, dealing with relationships, uh, family, and um, uh, whatever you want to call it, like girlfriends, or, you know, just overall things that matter for that profession. And that makes sense. People go to college to become whatever they want to, uh, to become down the line. Uh, whatever they're, what, what is it called? Uh, see, obviously I went to college to be a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> Their degree, you know, they go to get a degree in whatever, whatever it is that they think they're, they're trying to become. So what are your thoughts on the, the one-and-done rule? You think think we should get rid of it completely? Um, yeah, I think I think that would be fair. I think the kids should have the liberty to – see, back in, I think back when they first put the one-and-done rule in, they tried to make it seem like guys wouldn't be able, weren't ready to play at such a young age. But that's not their decision, you know. If they decide to go put their name into the, it really should be like this. They should be allowed to put their name into the draft and and uh, out of high school. And if they can't get drafted, then okay. If the NCAA wants them, they can take them. Why? Why make it to where it's like okay? If you go do this, then you can't come back here. That's not fair. That that makes no sense. Like why shouldn't somebody have the opportunity to go and sign up for a better job? 
And if they don't get that job, then come to come to this job. It's like it's kind of it's super unfair for me. So they should definitely lift that one year uh, one year rule. Uh, it's only in their favor. They want those that they got to come come through for that one particular that one season so they can get as much off of him as they can, and then he moves on. But what about a situation like a guy like James Wiseman, where he comes in and he has, has had to have had help before, but you have all these rules in place to make him all of a sudden the bad guy because he had to have help. When other people have help, like it, it's just like it, it relates, you know, right to normal life. Like athletes, a lot of athletes that we see come from places where they aren't, privileged, you know, not even privileged, aren't even capable to take care of themselves. Their families aren't capable to provide for them. And just somehow, some kind of way, they become these great athletes and it's entertaining. But why are there rules to make them not be able to excel financially? You know, when when their talent says that they should be. Anyone else can. You can become a music artist at the age of 13 and make millions of dollars, but because I'm a young athlete, I can't until I'm 19, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Man, bringing the heat. We love it. <laughs> you got it. All right, so this is our last segment, and it's called Hot Seat Questions. So Nick and I are going to alternate questions, and we want you to answer with your gut. So whatever comes first to your mind, we want you to think about this as little as possible, okay? This is going to be bad. All right. Okay. <laughs> Some of them are easy. It's not, it's not too crazy. Not too crazy. Okay. So do you prefer to play in domestic or international basketball? Domestic. Domestic or international food? International. Ooh, okay. If you had to nominate yourself for a season award, what would it be? Sportsmanship. What team that you've played for has the best crowd presence? Santa Cruz. Okay, Adam Silver just gave you the reins to the NBA and the G League. What 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 is one rule that you would change? I don't know about rules, but I'm giving the G League players more money. What has been your favorite country to play in? Japan. Have you seen the Michael Jordan doc- documentary, and what are your thoughts on it? Yes, I love it. I love the the, 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 the episode about Dennis Rodman. That's my spirit animal. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> before uh, before we go to the next one, I think it's 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 notable to mention that you have likened yourself to both Draymond Green and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> they go hard, man. That's what I'm saying. All right, who has been your favorite teammate to play with, and why? Every teammate would be Will Barton, uh, just because we had similar backgrounds, and I know what winning means to him. Uh, we also work out together all the time during the summertime, so this is somebody who I know, like I have a great chemistry with. If I'm cutting, he gonna look beside me. I know where he wants the ball and on the court, uh, and we both believe in each other enough to go go to war together. So that was one of my favorite teammates, especially back in college days. Who has been your least favorite player to play against, slash, do you have a rival? <sighs> or do you just love everyone? <laughs> no, I don't love everyone. Not at all. <laughs> I probably get mad at people and they don't even know it. Uh, my least favorite player that, that I had played against was in high school. It was Jerry Stavinger. And it was because he had the biggest butt in the world. <laughs> but it was like I had to guard him. He was a five man at the time. I was playing five, the center position for my 
in my team as well. And he was impossible to get around. Like, I could try to front him, couldn't do it. He'd back me down. And he, just, he was just too big. So that's the one guy who I remember. Yeah, Jared Sullivan was tough. I remember him. Super tough. All right, this one you can think about for for a little bit if you need to. What have been some of your highlights of your career? Highlights of my career. Uh, can we include college? Yeah. Well, okay, this is kind of like a low light, but not a highlight. It kind of like motivated me. So definitely playing my senior year at the University of Memphis, I did not get very much playing time, but it showed me who I really was and made me work hard. Uh, highlights of my career for real. Uh, Game winner that I hit at Iowa. Uh, it was like one of the first games that I actually got playing time. That's how I broke into the starting lineup. Uh, I hit a game winner. It was like a layup. It was the only two points that I had for the game. Uh, <laughs> winning the championship in uh, Saudi Arabia was a little highlight. Um, uh, I would say making the playoffs in the G League been a highlight for me. Um, and then a lot of my highlights were mostly at my younger ages, like AAU time. High school, I won uh, two state championships, like three national championships, and uh, AAU basketball. So, that type of stuff. But college, we always went to a tournament and uh, never really got deep in the tournament, so I can't really say it was any highlight like there. But the game winner for Iowa is probably like one of the best clubs. I jumped up on top of the table. Like, I only had two points, <laughs> but I jumped on the table. You know what I mean? Like, it was just one of them games, man. It felt good. I was a part of it. Hey, those are the two points that matter. That, that was the game winner. Right. It really did. There you go. Lots of highlights. We love it. Well, Farrakhan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We hope you have a great rest of your day, and uh, keep up the awesome work. Thanks, man. I appreciate y'all for having me.